This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, my name is Alex and you're listening to Launchbox Radio. And today, or this week, we're going to be talking about a movie that was just released by Studio Pana, Mary and the Wicked Flower. So, for some of you who haven't gotten to see it yet, because it was in initially a very small release because they wanted to see how it would do, I do know that Mary and the Witched Flower is going to be out there for at least a little while longer, and it's releasing wider. Um, G-Kids, I like, just got the email from G-Kids, I think yesterday, that said... Like, this is playing kind of nationwide. You can find theaters close to you. I don't know how true that is, but I know that's happening. Um, but now let's get into... Well, before we get into the movie, let's explain kind of how this movie came to be. So, in sometime in 2013... Studio Ghibli, A, Hayao Miyazaki retired, quote-unquote, for the hundredth time, but everybody was took him more seriously because he seemed to take it more seriously. Um, from what I understand, he his latest, quote-unquote, film, The Red Caterpillar, which is a short film, just, just premiered in the Studio Ghibli Museum, which is, like, annexed onto the studio... It's like the public-facing part of that building, and they they have all these little hand-animated or staff-animated shorts you can go see there. And Hayao Miyazaki got a bug in his bonnet and wanted to make a, one, so he did. Um, but so he retired in two thousand thirteen. Um, the that is covered in a film called Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, which, if you're at all interested in um, anime or the anime industry or even, like, creativity or what what it's like to work as an animator or what it's, what it's like to even work as a creative person... That documentary is fascinating. I believe it's available on Netflix. I'm pretty sure. Um, but go watch it and you'll... It's like it, it, it's fantastic. It, it takes you through kind of the way... It lets you see Studio Ghibli for what it is instead of like this built-up fantasy land that everybody had in their head all the time of like oh it must be this big giant amazing thing no it's a it's an animation stu- it's an animation company they like 
with all the quirks and uniqueness that goes with that. But, um, so in 2013, Studio Ghibli, um, Hayao Miyazaki ostensibly retired, quote-unquote, in scare quotes, um, and Studio Ghibli stopped production on major motion pictures. And if some of you are wondering, like, but wait, Studio Ghibli still exists as a thing? I thought their thing was movies. So let me tell you the way animation studios and film companies and all these people make money on movies after they are put out. So Studio Ghibli has been putting out movies for way more than a decade. The, the, fir the first one I saw, I'm not entirely sure it was the first one, was Princess Monoki, and that was when I was 11. So that was more... Th that was when I was probably around 11. So more than 10 years ago. Um, but Studio Ghibli makes money off of that movie still by A, selling, like, licensing it to different channels to stream, to play on TV, all that stuff. But it also makes license manages all of its licenses for all of its movies to license it to toy manufacturers, to t-shirt companies, to whoever wants to put a Princess Monoki or Spirited Away or Howl's Moving Castle or um, My Neighbor My Neighbor Totoro thing out into the world. They, unless they just do fan art, they are paying the rights, they are paying, uh, basically, rights to Studio Ghibli. So Studio Ghibli continues to make money by managing all of these licensed goods. And in, Kingdom of, in King, Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, they have a scene specifically talking where one of the, like, sales managers sits down with somebody, sits down with one of the producers and, like, talks about how, like, well the goods industry is doing. But, um... So that's kind of how they can continue... That's kind of how they continue to exist. They also have a Enduring Legacy... on on the animation industry at the hall. So when the Studio Ghibli movies first got released over here, they were released through Disney. Now they're released through um uh they for a while the second tier movies went to what I mean by second tier is Disney was primarily interested in anything that was A, put out by Studio Ghibli, B, um, directed by Hay Hayao Miyazaki. They weren't 
They weren't so interested in um, uh, Goro Miyazaki, um, Hayao's son, or um, the guy who directed uh, The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Oh, God, I forget his name. Um, but you, you get the point. They They weren't interested in anything but, like, the pure experience that you know is Studio Ghibli, and they did a decent, they did decent releases of Hayao Miyazaki's movies. I have the DVD, I have the original DVD for, um, Spirited Away, and in front of that, and I also have the original DVD for, for, um, Princess Monoki and Hal's Moving Castle, in front of at least Prince Monoki and Spirited Away, you meet John Lasseter, and in my case, it was not the first time I've ever seen John Lasseter in person, but close to it, and he... He, inter- he says, like, you're about to see something really special, like, I... I was, and for those of you who don't know, John Lasseter is the head, and I believe one of the founders of Pixar, um, the people who made Toy Story. And John said, you know, I, I saw, I went and I saw this in the theaters, and I used every connection I could to like get to, to get to Hayao Miyazaki and say, I want to release your movies over here in a really, in a bigger way than they were being released at the time. Um, how can I help you do that? And actually, now that I think about it, that's not on the front of the original DVD for Princess Monoki, because that one was, I believe, Central Park Media produced. Or maybe that was the VHS. I'm not sure. If you can't tell. In terms of anime fans. I'm old. <laughs> um, in terms of human. I'm fine. But anime fans. I'm an old person. Um, but so. That's a little history of like. Who used to do. Who used to put these movies out. But. I don't, and I don't know why. I believe Disney still has first right to like the Princess Monoki and My Neighbor Totoro and all that stuff. But I don't think, but they clearly don't have the right to um, movies like uh, Arietti was this like. Or was this move is the Secret Land of Arietti is based on the Borrowers? I still haven't seen that one all the way through, but um, it was put. I believe it was put out by a different, uh, by a different American publisher. Um, from up on Poppy Hill is this like Goro Miyazaki directed like they kept giving him another movie so they could kept making movies so they could keep making 
like more movies and putting out two a year, one a year instead of like one every three years. But um, from Up on Poppy Hill, I believe is Goro Miyazaki's second effort, and it is super clear, like if Hayami Miyazaki's like secret weird little thing is that he thinks we all fucked up the environment and he's not wrong. Goro Miyazaki's thing is weird Boo Radley abandoned houses. Um, apparently. Like, he's super into them. Um, which I always found weird and funny. But, um, from Up on Poppy Hill was put out by, I believe, that same, like, middle... I don't remember that name. And I don't remember the name, and that's ridiculous. Because I've met those people, um as part of my professional life. Um, it's something M is the name of the production company. But then, the people are currently putting out kind of the latest, greatest movies in that sphere is G-Kids. And G-Kids put out um, uh G-Kids put out, it puts out all kinds of stuff. Like, they put out The Breadwinner, which is one of the movies nominated for an Oscar. One of the animated movies nominated for an Oscar this year. They put out, um... Miss Hokusai, which is a kind of fabulous movie about creativity and about... Be about learning how to like become a better creative person and like live also living in like 18th century, 17th, 18th century Kyoto and like being the like child of a great artist and what that means and all that stuff. Um, but G Kids has kind of stepped up to the plate and said, Well, you know. There's money in them there, Anime Hills. We just have to go and mine slash publish it. <laughs> um, so they've been putting out a lot of, like, Studio Ghibli-esque things or Studio Ghibli things that have maybe fallen by the wayside and they do a pretty good job of figuring out how to get all the, like, anime movies and even normal and even Western western and non anime eastern animation that they films that they have and like getting them in a theater so you can go see it on a big screen instead of just like buying the blu-ray or or like buying a digital copy or whatever um but they do a good job of putting that out there and for something like Miss Hokusai they just went to the theater themselves and they said, we want to put this in a theater for, like, a weekend. And that was cool. And then they put it in for, like, a weekend here and there for, I think, like, a year. And then after they had built it up enough by doing that, they released, like, a DVD. The, the like, DVD, Blu-ray, digital, like, quote-unquote, run of the movie. But, which is why... What I'm about to tell you happened, and what if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I wish I wouldn't see that, did happen for a while was odd. 
So they teamed up with Fathom Events, and if you don't know, Fathom's deal is we do insane, we do like basically micro releases. The way we make money is we release something for like uh, free showing. We do a like one day only event premiere style release in like this handful of theaters in these cities at this time if you miss it you're screwed um sword art online ordinal scale was released with as a fathom event thing and it was like that was kind of it for that movie if you wanted to see it in theaters big time if you wanted to see it in theaters, as far as I know, that was the way you had to do it. And I, I, I looked at it and I was like, I, I barely like Sword Art Online. I don't necessarily want to pay money and like have to show up at a place to like deal with this. If it was just, if they had, even if they had released it like for a weekend and they're like, here's all these show times and like, it's playing for three days. Like you know, show up if you want or I would have like paid the 13 bucks and, like, gone and see, seen it in the city, but I didn't want to, like, deal with the <coughs> potential of the movie selling out and blah, 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 blah. But, so it was, it was odd that a studio with any, with any even, like, tangential connection to Studio Ghibli was getting this, like... We, this movie will only sell if we are if we pump it up and we make it an event treatment, which I I thought was odd even even after I saw it because I was like, no, it's basically a Studio Ghibli movie. You could have just put out the trailer and been like, go see this, you otaku weirdos, and everybody would have gone out for weekends on end and been like. Hey man, wanna go see Mary and the Witched Flower? Oh yeah, sure, I saw it, but I'll go see it again. Um But so like I found it odd that they were doing it that way. But <clears throat> I and that show sold out. Like I it was at at least the first show was at seven o'clock at night. In um, a good size, like fit at least a hundred people theater in uh, New York City, in the Union Square area, and it sold out. Like when I I bought my ticket online, I think a week before, and when I got there and I got like my actual paper ticket. The lady said to me specifically, don't lose that. That show's sold out hard. There are no seats left. I can't help you if you lose your little, like, flimsy ticket. So I, like, clasped it in my hand and didn't let go until I got to the guy. And the guy gave me this big collectible ticket that I now have. Um, But enough of, like, the miasma surrounding the movie, let's talk about the movie. 
So, in terms of the movie, Mary and the Witch's Flower, it is this... It is definitely a Studio Ghibli movie not produced by Studio Ghibli. And what I mean by that is it has all of these... It has all of the little pieces of what feel like a Studio Ghibli production from, like, the color to the world to the world and character design and like it even it even has like the little mascot character like every every studio ghibli has a little mascot character like calcifer or um like uh the kudamas in prince in princess monoki or like um the mouse in spirit in spirited away or um any i mean there's any number of studio ghibli like mat quote unquote mascot characters that you have that you have um and the plot is basically this you you open up on this big kind of triumph like not triumphant but um harrowing escape sequence of this witch stealing something, getting away from like an evil complex place, and falling to earth. And then you cut away and you see the title screen and you arrive at Mary, who is this girl who for some reason has to live with her aunt in like the most boring house ever. She's very bored and Blah, 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 blah. Um, but she's... The flip side is she's also bad at everything. So she wants to help people and do something around the house. But, like, she always breaks things, spills stuff on people, messes up somehow. They, they make a very... They put a very fine point on it. And pe- and the adults are always like, eh, maybe we don't want your help, cause you you just you're not good at helping, um. And so she just she just kind of perpetually bored. And then, in in the course of that boredom and trying to help people, she meets this kid named Peter. And up until now, like. This is is like a side note. Up until now, the world had looked more or less like a Studio Ghibli movie. Mary looks like um like like a Studio Ghibli main character girl. Uh, the aunt looks looks fine. Her character design looks fine. Um, it all looks. Like it all makes sense in the way it looks, and and then you meet Michael. And Michael is this odd, odd, odd choice for a character design. He is, uh, so Studio Ghibli does this thing where, um, and actually, it's pretty much the only character you don't see this in is uh, Chihiro from. Uh, spirited away, Chihiro looked like she dressed like a little girl from 
this decade. She's wearing a really simple graphic t-shirt and, like, I think, like, salmon pink shorts and yellow, white and yellow shoes. But Mary is kind of dressed in a modern way, but not really. And then you meet Michael, who's wearing a full-on varsity jacket, jeans, a t-shirt, and, like, a backwards hat. And it's this... His character design feels like, at some point, draw yourself as a Ghibli character. <laughs> like, some kid was, some very talented kid was given the, was given the, like, project, draw yourself as a Ghibli character, and, like, that's what he came up with. And it, 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 Michael's character design feels off, especially compared to the rest of the movie. Um, now, that, that's not a huge problem, because he's not in the movie that much. Um, but, so, you are, so you introduced that, and they have this for a Studio Ghibli style movie, this is really this to me is the telling part. They have a very anime esque interaction, and what I mean by that is if you've seen kind of like girl meets boy, boy is a jerk, girl thinks boy is a jerk, like shonen anime. It's like you know how it you kind of know how this goes in your head, like. The girl meets the boy, the boy is really just a person, the girl screws up, the boy laughs at her, and the girl hates the boy, blah, 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 blah. Um, but, so, she does, that, that all happens, and then finally, her aunt is like, oh, I, hey, Mary, can you take this down to this address? Um, and Mary's really happy that, I think, and that, and this happens the next day. Mary's really happy that she gets to, like, help and do something. And as she's delivering it, this is where you see kind of the, the the world building falls apart a little like the the world you see doesn't it doesn't it's not that it's incomplete in any way it just doesn't feel like it blends together well enough it's like part countryside part british village part Ghibli fantasy land it just doesn't <clears throat> in the way that Iron Town felt in Princess Monoki or um the bathhouse felt the bathhouse and the surrounding area felt in Spirit Away um the neighborhood felt in Totoro the city felt in 
uh, Kiki delivery service. This doesn't... The setting... None of the settings here seem like they support the characters enough. If that makes any sense. Um, but... So she delivers it. She finds out that it's Michael. She's just like a little missed. It's like, oh, now I have to deal with this guy again. And Michael has these two cats. One of which... Um, the black one bothers her all the time. And she follows, like, at some point, she follows the cats into, into the forest and finds, quote-unquote, the witch's flower. Um, and this, and she also finds this old broom. And this is all preempted by... You know, Mary, like Michael yelling at Mary, like, Mary, you know, you know what people say, don't go in the, don't go in the woods when there's a lot of fog. And she does this, and the, basically the deal with these flowers is, um, and at this, at this point, spoiler alert, (laughs) if you haven't guessed that already, um, the deal with these flowers is, they have the ability to give anybody magical powers. So she... But they, like, you need to squish them. So they're basically, like, they're like glowing blueberries. You squish them, and they, like, their juices give you power. Um, give you magic powers. And... She so she has magical powers. She picks up this broom, and the broom comes alive and brings her up to um, this magic. Brings her up to this magic academy, where the first character she meets, I forget his name. I think his ma- name is Mister Piddlesworth, and he has this. He he is the character where they were thinking. <clears throat> We can sell goods of this sucker for a good long time. He had this, like, <clears throat> if you, if you've ever seen the Disney animated version of Robin Hood, he is basically Robin the Robin Hood the fox the fox version of Robin Hood, but add this like peppy. Broom flying instructor, and he <clears throat> brings he brings Mary to like the front gate of the college of the of the of the witches' college, and at this point you're thinking like, oh, this is gonna be Doo Ghibli Harry Potter. It's and it it doesn't go that way. It goes not great because I mean so they have Mister Piddlesworth like explain the the four the four big rules of the school, but the only rule he ever explains is. The first one, which is if you enter as some, if you enter as an imposter, sorry, you'll be transformed into something else. Um, and apparently that's what that school's known for, and blah, 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 blah. 
but so she enters kind of hesitantly for obvious reasons, uh, wanders around for a little bit, and then she introduces the head to the headmistress, who <clears throat> feels. And I know I keep going back to Spirit Away because this has this has a lot of similarities to it in a lot of different ways. The headmistress of the witches' academy feels like Yubaba. Like a slightly less menacing version of Yubaba. Um, and so you're introduced to her. She says, oh, you're quite... You're quite talented. And she keeps... She and this... I forget the doctor's name, but it's just like... Weird little, I don't use any of my limbs, I only use robotic limbs, doctor dude, are introduced. And it's, it's very clear that these two are, like, up to some shenanigans, some bad shenanigans. You just don't know what. Um, also, you, it, it's, it's clear, but it's not so clear that you're sure, so you're just like, oh, these guys seem sketchy. I wouldn't trust them, but maybe I'm just a bad person. I don't know, though. Um, but... Somehow... So, basically, eventually you find out that these two are conducting human experiments using... The quote-unquote witched flower being the magical blueberries that Mary found in the in the in the um in the woods, and Mary eventually stops them. I don't. I don't really want to ruin, go point for point through the plot because the plot is. Is what it is, and it there, there are lots of things that lead kind of nowhere, but the the whole movie is the movie's a good movie, and if you have kids, this is a great movie to go see, to go see with them. But in terms of like plot, um look and feel and character design, it, it feels like, A, it feels like a first effort. I have no doubt that Studio, Studio Ponok was created, um, there was a Q, at least at the premiere, there was a Q&A after the movie, and the, uh, you meet this producer who you actually meet in, um, Kingdoms of Dreams and Madness for a brief period, for a brief couple scenes. Um, and he says, you know, I always wanted to, it was always my dream to create the, to produce movies and, like, make movies. And when Studio Ghibli said, you know, we're not making, we're not producing and we're not making movies anymore, I kind of said to myself, well, well, shit, then I should just go do this myself with my friends. And so, this the result is this is the, this is their first outing, their first foray into that, and they 
it feels like that. It feels... It doesn't feel as polished as a Studio Ghibli movie. It feels like they are... They're finding their footing. Um, and you can see that. The, the, the character designs are really unique and beautiful. But the there's still some weird, odd-feeling missteps. They don't... They don't feel as cohesive. They don't all feel like they belong in the same movie. Even if that movie has quote-unquote, two different, like, settings in it. But, um... And the, the, the plot feels like it's... It's, like, feels a little swift, cheesy at points. It's a, it's a pretty good, pretty decent movie. It's not... You're not going to come out of the theater or come out of watching or come away from watching the movie and like feel like you've been changed and it is like this momentous thing. You're going you're going to see it and be like, oh, that was nice. And like, I might buy the DVD of that. I might not. It's not. It is not. It's not as revelatory as. Not even Studio Ghibli movies are, but even something like um, Saratobi Miss Hokusai has this, like, it, 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 Miss Hokusai does a good job of giving you this feeling of wonder when you're watching it. Like, you, you, your eyes, your pupils dilate and you're like, oh, that is cool. This is, like, I'm really interested to keep watching this. This movie, and maybe it's because they're battling against the kind of, not perfection, because, not believe me, not all Studio Ghibli movies are perfect. Tales from Earthsea is an example of that. Those from Up on Poppy Hill. Um... Even, um, they're battle. They're battling this like use of wonder that just doesn't. Not that it doesn't exist in Mary and the Witch's Flower. It just isn't as the use of it isn't as strong. So it just it it feels. It feels flatter than a lot of Studio Ghibli movies, and a, and a lot of anime and a lot of anime movies do kind of lately, because because Studio Ghibli has um, stopped producing major feature films. They've left a hole in the industry that. Everybody wants to that every director worst of assault wants to rush to fill. People are saying like, "Oh, Makoto Shinkai is the next Miyazaki." Makoto Shinkai is like, "What? What? Who said that? Stop it! <laughs> Stop going to see my movie." Um, the guy who directed um, Saratobi Miss Hokusai, I forget his name. Damn it! Um, people look at his stuff and they say like oh he could he 
he can wield this kind of wonder pretty well. Um, there's even stuff like Devil Man Cry Baby, which I swear I'll talk about at some point, which is in a whole there's a whole different class of thing because it's a TV show and it's ultra violent and all that stuff. But like it, it could sit in the same like, oh, what is this weird thing box? Um, but this movie, it 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 has some of that. It has little moments of that, but the whole like there's no. There's no. It's not like it's mainline. When you when you're watching Spirit Away. They give you this. They give you what reality is, and reality kind of meets your expectations. But then. The like the bathhouse and the whole universe of the bathhouse and the way it all works. Um all exceeds your expectations. Which is which is hard to do. It's hard it's hard to do that and keep that going constantly. Um another movie that I've talked about that does that does some of the magicalness but doesn't does the has some of the wonder but doesn't thrive on it is uh, Howl's Moving Castle. And lots of people think that that is... that is kind of where Studio Ghibli movies start to drop off, is Howl's Moving Castle. Um, but... So, yeah, it's just... it. It's a good... It's a pretty good movie. It's pretty okay. It's not... It's not something that I would necessarily spend 60 bucks on a Blu-ray release of. I might spend 20 on it, but there you go. Um, but luckily, the reason I went to see it on the first night was because they had this posture of this is the the exclusive premiere of like blah 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 one night only all this stuff, so I'm happy that it's out there and people can go see it because I think it's important to see where the people who were because Studio Ghibli everybody thinks of Studio Ghibli and they think of Hayao Miyazaki. They they don't think of the countless animators and producers and color artists and all these different people who work with Hayao Miyazaki to make what he makes. Because unless you're Makoto Shinkai and you're a psycho, uh, you can't make a movie on your own. That's not the way it works, see? Live action, animated, or otherwise, and so it. This is this. This is the people who who 
helped give over years Hayao Miyazaki's and Studio Ghibli's movies their voice and their like distinct visual style and it's really it's the most fascinating thing is seeing that is seeing all that removed from the person and the place that was known for it and seeing that that style isn't an exclusive thing to just that one studio that it's the it's the talent that makes the studio, not the studio that makes the talent. Um, an, another ex- example of that is, um, oh, I don't, I forget. Um, it was a show, and it ended up being kind of a suspense horror show from la- from last year. It was on Amazon, um, but it that show was. Of the background artist used to be a Studio Ghibli background artist, and you can see it in that show, and you can see these amazing Studio Ghibli esque backgrounds, and it's just it's really fat. Like I said, it's fascinating to see the talent removed from the place. Now the place, it's not that they don't have use for the talent; it's that they're choosing not to do any of it anymore for financial and myriad of other reasons. Um, but if you like this podcast, if you like my meandering rant on Studio Ghibli and Studio Ponoc and all that stuff, um, leave me a review in the iTunes store um, or wherever you review podcasts. Um, but I, you can also subscribe to me in on the iTunes, Apple Podcast app, or wherever you subscribe to podcasts, um, including Stitcher and Google Play. Uh, and also, I am starting a, or restarting for the 19th time, a kind of central place, since I wrote a fun article about diversity in anime, and I'm writing another article, which at some, I'll probably publish sometime next month. Um, which I will po- I will post a link to my diversity in anime article in the description of this podcast. And you can check it out. Um, but I am making a place called Lunchbox Me- called that I am calling Lunchbox Media, and that is a Tumblr blog for right now at least, and it it will be kind of a central place where you'll be able to find past episodes of this podcast, um, articles I write, whatever other stuff I decide on doing I haven't really decided yet, blah, 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 blah. So um, check out those two things in the description of this podcast. And until next week, I have been Alex, and you have been listening to Lunchbox Radio, and I will talk at you next time.